feeling desperation? Are we there? Hello, how are you feeling this morning? Are you good? Are you alive? Is Jesus in you? Are you in him? Oh, I think we're going to have a fantastic morning. Hasn't it been great to worship God with Leland this morning? I love it. How many of you are over in Tent City? Pity. Uh, how, many, <laughs> how many of you uh, did not get nearly enough sleep last night? Uh, how many of your youth pastors saying the same thing? <sighs> Good. Everyone is exactly where they should be this morning. Well, I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited about desperation. I'm excited about a generation doing incredible things to advance the kingdom of God. How about you? Yes. Well, you know, uh, I, I absolutely... I absolutely love times like this. I value so much these times where we get together to worship and, and pray and spur one another on, focus in on some core things that God wants to show us and teach us. We set aside some time for God to come and meet with us and for us to meet with him, and he's faithful to do it so many times. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. I'm the youth pastor here at New Life Church, and uh, I've got a... I got a bunch of friends. They're called Tag and JV Tag. They're around the room here. Ugh, I love you. And uh, uh, mwah, mwah, mwah. and uh, as manly as I can. Uh, I've got little babies now, so it's okay for me to get a little. Try not to do that ever again. Um, I. Uh, I love these times. I love spending times like this with you. I love spending times like this with the Lord because of what he does and how he spurs us on. I've grown up uh, in the church. My dad's a pastor and uh, has been all my life. I'm that kid that was born on Saturday in church on Sunday, that kid, the kid that sat on the front row and got in trouble most of his life um, until recently, a couple months ago. And so... So um, I've done a lot of things like this over my time. I've been to lots of events. I've been to lots of retreats. I've been to lots of camps. And actually, let me tell you about one of them. I was at this retreat. Uh, it was a winter retreat for when I was in high school, not unlike yourselves. And uh, we had a great time with the Lord. It was incredible experiences. But one of the things that we were doing is, since it's a winter retreat, and we here in Colorado know something about that little thing that we call snow, and um, <laughs> I'm glad you're so excited this morning. Precipitation. Yeah! Um, so, so we're at this winter retreat, right? And, and we're, we're having a great time with the Lord, and then, it, and then it's the afternoons and evenings we're going out, and we're playing and having fun, and so we had a lot of snow, and we were going sledding. We'd sled all afternoon, we'd go and worship, and we'd read uh, the Word together and pray, and God was doing some radical things there. But, but one night we decided, late after we had been with the Lord, we decided to go out and go sledding one more time. You know, it's like midnight sledding time. And so... 
So we went out to go hang out on the sun. We had a huge hill. It was massive. It was just the most gargantuan thing you've ever seen in your life. And so for some reason, we had the brilliant idea that we were going to go up to the top of this hill and create the most massive sledding train in the world, 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 world. <laughs> And so we did. We had all these tubes and all these people in high school. And we lined them all up. And so I'm looking for my tube. You know, I'm really excited about it. And I finally find my tube. But my tube actually happens to be right in the front. And so I jump in the front. And there's this girl. Uh, she's already on that tube because it was two by two. Because remember, it was the largest sledding tube train in the world. World, 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 world. And so... So I jump on the front, and here's this girl, and so we're looking back, and we're like, this is going to be awesome. And so we're ready to go down the hill, and, and we, we let go, and we start sliding. And so, you know, this is one of those crazy times where your face is like peeled back, and you're screaming and careening down this hill, and suddenly your life starts flashing before your eyes. You know, you're thinking... Oh, I remember that in third grade. Oh, that was... And all these images are going by you, right? And so you're on the way down. We're cruising, and I start thinking to myself, things are different than they were this afternoon when I was on this hill. The sun had been out all day. It had melted quite a bit. And now it had frozen once more. And so there we were on ice, I was realizing very quickly as I was trying to gather my ears from back behind my head and rejoin my lips in front of my face rather than the side. And we're careening down this icy hill, and then one more memory occurs to me, which was the memory of what lay at the bottom of the hill, and it was a massive jump. And so, so suddenly I'm thinking, I'm gonna die. This is it for me. God, thank you for what you did this weekend because I'm coming to see you. <laughs> and so on our way down, I'm thinking about this hill, and it suddenly occurs to me, okay, this is not going to be good. So I'm starting to think, I'm going into preservation mode. So I'm thinking, protect yourself, protect yourself, protect yourself. And I'm realizing I can't hold on to the tube anywhere because this girl won't get off. <laughs> you know, I'm wanting to be like, get out of here. I don't know what happened. She just fell. And so, so, so we're on our way down the hill, careening down, face peeled back, screaming, thinking, I got to protect my arm. We come down to the hill. Boom. Hit the hill. Whew. Suddenly your fears melt away. And you're like, it's peaceful up here. And we're flying through the air. Oh, birds. And, and starting to come down. And all I can think is, protect your arm, protect your arm, because I can't grab anything. And so, and I'm not going to be like, hey, babe, what's up? And so um, I, I'm trying to grab onto something. I mean, protect your arm, protect your arm, protect your arm. It's going to get broken, going to get broken. Bro you know, so it's out here flopping around. And thinking, Just watch out. And so we come down to the ground. I see the ground quickly approaching. Protect the arm, protect the arm. I'm going to be okay. Boom, we hit the ground. My arm, not under the tube, not broken. Everything's okay. But in the protection of my arm, I forgot to protect my face. <laughs> so my face hits the ice. 
I come to a stop. I get up. That wasn't so bad. I look down and notice the pool of red and my cheek. <laughs> so, so I begin to gather the pieces. It appears to be some form of eyelid. Let's try to get that back on there. Gather it up, you know, and and I mean, Quasimodo. I'm like, <laughs> sanctuary, and I check because I needed to get back to the sanctuary because I needed healing, and so, so I'm <laughs> leaving my trail of blood along the way, and I can honestly say that I left that experience very much changed and transformed. It took a lot of neosporin and uh, gauze and bandages and time for me to change back again. But I guess the point of that ridiculous story is this. That is what we are here for, is transformation. Because what I left out of the insane story is the incredible parts of the story. The parts where I met with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords at a young age. And he changed and revolutionized my life. And I left those experiences a different man than when I arrived. And it was something that was lasting. Because I hear you already. It's already entering into some of your minds. Uh, we're going to leave desperation tonight or tomorrow afternoon, and it's going to be over. And I'm going to go back, and I've had the high. And in two weeks, I'm going to hit the low. It's going to be over. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare start saying that. Don't you dare get into the retreat conference mentality that says, Woo, massive high, praise Jesus, Leland, desperation band, David Perkins, this is amazing. If I could just take you home and place you in my bedroom, I'd have the best Christian life ever. <laughs> you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need any of us. We can help you. You can come and we can kind of get you situated a little bit and just kind of just right and uh, get on it. Do something for God. Serve him, love him, be his alone. We can do all those things, but then it's going to be up to you to live this thing out. And that's kind of the turn that we're making, I think, a little bit today. Now we're looking towards the end of desperation, which should be, needs to be, must be the beginning of what you're going to do from here. And there's got to be some form of transformation that happens to you, or else it's all in vain. And Jesus Christ didn't come and give his all. God didn't send his only son for you to go home and go back to what you were doing. He sent him for transformation. He sent him for new life. And that's what he wants every one of you 
to have. And it's that deal I want to talk about this afternoon or this morning, whatever time it is. I haven't had any sleep either. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you come right now? You've been here all morning. Come now in all of your power and all of your life and everything that you bring. Father, would you use me to speak what it is that you want me to say to this incredible group of men and women? And would you allow them to hear what they need to hear, to become the people that you want them to be? God, I believe that you have something specific and targeted for now. Let us be faithful to that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I'm a guy of purpose. I, I love I love. Purpose. I love, uh, we were just talking last night about, uh, about Brian Houston, Hillsong. You, some of you know who that is. He's the pastor of Hillsong Church in Australia. And he likes to talk about purpose too, and I love it. I'm not nearly as cool as him because he's way cooler when he says, purpose. If you've ever heard him. Me, I say, purpose. But hey, I've got a great senior pastor here who says, you need to be who you are. I am what I am. Purpose! <laughs> so, so I'm happy with it. But, but I'm a guy who loves purpose. I love thinking about purpose. I love thinking about God's purposes for you. I love it when you see him, find him, get him in you, and you go after him. I love it when you realize that involved in that purpose is power of God for living the life that he wants you to live. So I love verses like Acts 13, 36, that talks about David, says that David fulfilled, he had served God's purpose in his own generation. I love that. It's one of my favorite verses. In fact, it's really my life verse. David had served God's purpose in his generation. David was about finding, understanding, knowing, and fulfilling everything that God wanted him to do. Now, did he, did he succeed in every venture all the time? No, he slipped up. He made some mistakes. We talked about that a little bit last night. But the Bible records that when he was done, he had served God's purpose in his own generation. Hey, everybody, I want that to be said of me, and I want that to be said of you. I also love thinking about the power that needs to be in every single one of us when we talk about fulfilling his purpose. So I love uh, 2 Peter 1.3, talking about how his divine power is giving us everything that we need for life and godliness. So God, here it is, so God gives us these purposes and these things that he wants us to do in our generation, and then he gives you everything that you need to make it happen. What an incredible God we serve. See, I love it. I love when he asks us to do something, he's saying to us that he's gonna go with us and give us what we need to be able to fulfill it and accomplish it. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to go and do this. I want you to go and bring healing to the nations. I want you to go pray over monasteries and see them catch fire. <laughs> you crazies. I want you to... <laughs> That sounds weird. I want, you to go, I want you to go and do these things around the world. Good luck. He doesn't do that. He says, I'm going to go with you. In fact, you know it. When you read the Great Commission, there's this thing. When you read the Great Commission, I kind of call it the sandwich of power. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I know. But the sandwich of power where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of every nation. 
teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The sandwich of power is where he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, because of that fact, I want you to go do it. Go and make disciples, and I'm gonna be with you to the very end of the age. It is the sandwich His power. He doesn't leave you alone in this thing. He wants to go with you, go before you, be behind you, surround you, and help you to do it. So over the last couple days, we've seen some great things. We've talked about some great things. We've talked about the first night, how Jesus is. Yeah, do it more Perkins-like. Jesus is. Yeah, I was actually going for awesome, but that was good. Or sometimes, awesome! But um, <laughs> we talked about how with Pastor Brady, the time for you and your generation is not later. It's, it's now. Now. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. Can I, can I tell you something? I, I was just watching watching as we were in worship, and it really it's happening almost every service. Uh, I've just been standing here thinking, this is it. This is it. The time is now. There is no need to wait. You have been given what you need to begin to do what God has called you to do. There's no reason for us to sit around and say, my youth pastors, he's going to lead us there. Well, he's going to do a great job. He's going to equip you and help you and train you. And then one day, maybe I could go and do great things for the kingdom of Jesus. I hope when I'm 30... And old, like you, Pastor Parsley, <laughs> that I can do some great things. Garbage! You do it now. Now is the time. Because you know what? You know what? Brady said it yesterday. Their generation, they lost more battles than they won. In my generation, the Gen Xers, the slackers, the losers, we lost more than we won. Your story has yet to be told in full. You still have the opportunity to win more battles than you lose. No, that was trash. That was too half-hearted. You still, through the power of God, Jesus Christ, his cross, his blood, his body broken, you still have the ability to win more battles through him than you lose. I'm talking about. We talked to, uh, you saw Dana and Dan yesterday talking about in the split sessions and being godly men and godly women. Last night with Aaron Stern, gave up some secrets and got cleaned up. What a great thing that's been happening here. And you come to this deal and now you come this morning and you're like, Okay, what am I going to do? Oh, man, I just, I'm getting so pumped. I'm getting so excited. You start, the dreams of God start coming alive inside of you, and you start thinking of what I could do and the prayer meetings that I can build, and Jesus can help me do this and this, and man, I'm going to save these people. I'm going to go after this. Man, this is going to be so incredible when I go home. I just can't wait. You start getting pumped up and pumped up and pumped up, and you're just starting to freak out. Your head's about to explode with all of the plans that are going on inside of you. You're just thinking... And then you go home and go, I don't know what to do. 
I don't know where to start. What'd they say? What was session one? What was session, oh, what did David say? Jesus is neat. No, that wasn't it. Ah, oh, what was he saying? Ah, I can't remember. And you're trying to go through all the motions. What happened? What did God do? What did God do? I don't want you to live your life there. What did God do? I want you to live your life right in the center of what he's wanting you to do now, what he's calling you to do now. And how do you do that? Listen, I think the key is that you get into what today I'm going to call the master's intent for your life. The master's intent for your life. I'm not that great at sermon titles. So if you want one, there's one. The master's intent for you. See, here's how I think it works. I've already talked to you about purpose and how God has it for you. And I think that it works in a few ways. I think that he has some specific purpose for you, a specific call that he's asked you to do. David fulfilled, he served God's purpose in his own generation. That meant some specific things. I have some specific things. This is your specific purpose, what you are called to do in your lifetime and in your generation. For me, it's youth pastor. I've known it all my life. When I was five years old, man, I, I was hanging out at my dad's church, and I received the call of God on my life at five or six in the parking lot waiting for my mom to come and pick me up on a very blustery day. Sounds like Winnie the Pooh. I was, <laughs> dear God, what am I doing? Uh, on this very blustery day, tut, tut, looks like rain. I was, I was, I was, I told you I have little kids. <laughs> uh, hmm. So this windy day, I'm standing out there. I don't know why I was out there. I was five or six hanging out in the parking lot. But I was. And as I was standing there, I remember it so clearly. This sense came over me, and I heard the words in my heart. They just said, when you're older, you will work with young people. At five or six. Oh, well, God doesn't speak today. Okay. Here I am, 30-ish years later. Uh, it's not funny. <laughs> Pastoring an incredible group of men and women because of God's goodness. See, he, he's got specific things for you. And it's those things that we all really want to know because we feel like, that's where all the power is going to be. That's where I'm going to be doing what God wants. That's where I want to be. So we spend our time. God, what's my specific calling? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to be? And I think those things are important. But let's go to the second one really quick. There are general purposes, I believe, that all of us have. I talked about one of those in the Great Commission. There are several of these as you go throughout Scripture. But every one of us are called to make disciples. No one is exempt. It's not that, well, I'm, I'm called to be a worship leader, which means I ain't got to disciple nobody. No, no one is exempt. We're all called by Jesus to go out and make disciples of all nations. 
No one gets out of that. It's a privilege and a pleasure, and it's general for everybody. So where in your specific calling, you may be a lawyer, a doctor, an author, a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad. I don't know what it is, but underwater basket weaver extraordinaire for Christ. I don't know what it is. But whatever you are, there's a specific thing. But every one of us is called to these general purposes. But then I think there's a third area. And it's what I'll call the master's intent. So there's a, you know, this is a military community that we have here. And though admittedly, I don't know much about this. I was reading, was reading this book and it was talking about what, what is called the commander's intent in the military. And this is, a, this is kind of a business marketing book, but the commander's intent is this idea, this one core thing that everybody knows. See, the military, they've got all the strategy, they've got all these plans that they've worked out with generals and sergeants and everyone who's, who's working out how they're going to win the battle and go into the fight. And as they're working it out, they're saying, these helicopters have to get here, and these tanks got to be moved here, all these troops have to get into this position over here, and we got to get the gas, the gas trucks over here so that we can... F- refuel all the vehicles and the ammo has all got to get here. Every piece has to get into position, into place just right so that they can go and fight and win the battle. So everybody starts to learn the strategy. Okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. Okay, I know what my specific role is to get where I need to go. Okay, got that. Yeah, I know what everybody's kind of looking at and trying to do. But then there is this one thing, this one idea, the commander's intent. It's the one thing that everybody knows if nothing goes right this is the thing that we have to accomplish because I guess there's some sort of saying that says essentially all these great strategies and plans they rarely survive contact with the enemy because once bullets start flying and things are going crazy all of a sudden things change a little bit and this truck is exploding, and this thing is happening over here, and these pieces are blocked, and this part of the strategy didn't work, and these tires were flat, and they didn't make it, and so now everything is in chaos. And even if that entire army is not able to get where they need to go, and there's one guy who's left, he knows that the commander's intent was to take that hill, to get to the top of that hill, take out that bunker, and that's the thing. So now he has nothing else. He has no ammunition. He has, he has no fuel. He has no tanks. He's got no buddies around him. He still knows, though none of the strategies worked, I have to still get there. I am here to take that bunker on that hill, and so that's what I'm going to do. It's the commander's intent. Maybe they call it the CI. Today I call it the master's intent for you, the MI. And can I share with you what I believe that really is? Yeah, you've got specifics. Yeah, you've got general callings. But the master's intent for you, I think, is found in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Turn there if you've got your Bibles. Mark, and this is familiar to most of you, I hope and pray, because the master's intent for your life is this. 
One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The master's intent, the greatest thing that you can do, the greatest thing, the highest call, the thing that he wants from you overall is that right there. It's the MI, master's intent, love God with your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when nothing else is working right, when nothing else is going the way that you want it to, when nothing seems to be fitting, when you're trying to figure out, what did God call me to do? What am I supposed to do? You know, I don't know where all these pieces go. I don't know where everything is supposed to fit, but I know one thing. Just like that guy says, I'm supposed to take the bunker on that hill. You always come back to knowing and understanding. I am here to love God with my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself, and everything else can be taken care of. Because frankly, I think that if you can stick to the master's intent, all the other stuff becomes clear. There's a reason why in Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. In that discussion, he's talking about, don't worry. Don't worry what you're gonna eat or drink. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. Ow. Don't worry about all of these things. Don't worry about you. Just seek me. I'll take care of everything. That's why it's his intent that we live our lives there. But see, we oftentimes, we don't love that. We, we want to be about the, the other things. We want to be about the specifics. But God, what have you called me to do? Love me with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's my intention for your whole life. Oh, that sounds great. I love that. Mm, that is a good word, Holy Spirit. Thanks for that. But now, the important stuff. Aren't I supposed to be like Leland? Shouldn't I be John Egan's disciple? Don't you want me to lead worship to the masses? Don't you want to preach like David Perkins? Don't you want me to be a lawyer? Don't you want me to be this author? Listen, all those things have value. And I'm not saying it's not important for you to seek and to ask and to find out what God wants. But I'm saying I feel like we have a lot of times inverted this structure where we look at it the way that I've presented it to you. It's my specific call in life. Then it's my general call. Make disciples, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I'm gonna do all that, fine. And then I'm supposed to love God, love God, love God, love people. Got it, okay, great. And that's the way we think of it because the top one is so exciting and it's all about building our kingdom. It's about me being the star. Superstar. Wow, blast from the past. Uh, that's nice. I'm glad some of you recognize that. Either that or you're like, that pastor's dumb. 
Okay, that was what you're laughing at. Good. Um, But I feel like we want so much to be the star of this story that's being created here. And I want you to hear very clearly, and I know that David talked about it the first night. This story has a star, and it's not you. This story already has someone who's at the helm, who's written it, who has done everything to create it. It's done. And you and I, we get to play a role in it. He's invited us to it, and we need to be honored to just find out what it is. And so we seek it, we go after it, we look for it, we do ask for it. But how are you really going to get there? Master's intent. Love God with your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and you will get there. We've got to take the structure that's here that says, I want my story to matter. I want to do great things for the kingdom of God. That's a great heartbeat. But the only way you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God is if you invert that sucker and say, I'm going to love God with everything that I have first and foremost. And then I'm going to love people. And by very nature of my life being encompassed by that lifestyle, I will find my general purposes and my specific purposes and I will do it. It's the way he intended it. The secret's not in pursuing the greatness of what God has called you to do in your generation. The secret is in loving God with everything and loving your neighbors yourself. And think about the implications of this. They're massive. It's massive because it's not just us saying, uh, yep, I'm supposed to love God, so I'm going to love God with everything. So here I go. Here I go. Here I go. I'm going to love him. I'm going to love you. Here I come, God. Ooh, I'm going to love you. You ready? I'm going to love you. All right. So I'm going to take my heart now and I'm, I'm going to love you. Now, here, here comes the mind. Mmm, that's good. You have to be more intellectual. Mmm, you have to pinch your chin. Just, it helps. Here comes my soul, my soul. I don't know how to do that one. Uh, and my strength, God, should be obvious. I'm not talking about you just saying, hey, God, I love you. Uh, there's implied in this idea complete surrender. It's not just, it's not just hey, God, I love you with everything that I have. Uh, it's not that. It's not just I love people. Mm. It's the implied in this, in this passage is not just a simple love, but there is an, an obedience. In fact, in Matthew, when it records it, it says, all the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. So implied in there is all that's been written before. So that means massive obedience to what God's called you to do. Every single day. Implied in there is a sacrifice. You giving up your life. Like in Luke. In Luke 9.23. Denying yourself. Taking up your cross daily. And following Jesus. Obedience. Sacrifice. Discipleship. 1 John 2.6. says whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. 
embedded in this idea is not just a simple love where I say, hey, God, I really love you. You're really great. I really think that's awesome. But it's understanding God's story that this all, everything, 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 everything belongs to God. And you get to play what part he's assigned to you. It's not my story. It's just yours. So I surrender everything. So by living that kind of life, you begin to uncover and discover what he's called you to do in your specifics. Simply by doing this master's intent. It's not about you. It's God's story. There's a missionary who I think is just a crazy man. And I love him a lot. His name is Britt Hancock. And he's... <laughs> he's a very famous saying that you see on people's bellies around this conference. It simply says, kill the devil. <laughs> um, he spoke at our ministry here a little while ago and he said, he had this quote which has just stuck with me. I just can't shake it. This embodies this idea. He said, he looked at all of us and he said, listen to me. You are not the center of anything except the love of God. You're not the center of anything in this life except for the love of God. Because when it comes to the love of God, you are smack dab right in the center of it. You, as an individual, right in the center of the love of God for you. It can be easy to miss those sometimes. Let me give you a quick test. Can I test you real fast? Oh, bro, it's summer. I know. But I'd like to give you just a really quick, really quick test. And uh, so I really want you to try hard, okay? I don't want you to shout or yell or anything. I want you to really focus and concentrate and try to do this test for me and see if you get the right answer, all right? So here, you guys, do you guys have that test? All right, it's not gonna be too hard. Try this. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? I'm proud of you for counting correctly, but for missing a moonwalking bear, <laughs> it's a little hard to applaud. The point is very simple. It's easy to miss something that you're not looking for. Are you spending your days looking for you and your story and what God wants you to do? Or are you spending your days looking at him? Because if you're not looking, it'll be easy to miss. It's 
easy to miss those things that you're not looking for and searching for. And I want you to find it. I want you to see him. I want you to give him your all. I want you to love him with your all. I want you to sacrifice your all. I want you to obey him no matter what. And in doing so, find the thing that you're supposed to do. Loving with heart, mind, soul, and strength is a massive, massive deal. But I want you to know that he can be trusted as you do it. Let's just take the two ideas real quick before we close. The master's intent is that you love him with everything. Because he knows that when you do that, he has all of you because you've surrendered all to him. And so then he can take you and talk to you about who you are and who you're supposed to be. Without any preconceived notions or ideas on your part, he can get in you what he needs to get in you. And he knows how to do this. There's a story about years and years and years ago, cars had just kind of started. Cars just come out. And uh, there's a guy on the side of the road, young kid, kind of a punk, hanging out. His car broke down. He's trying to get it started, turning the crank. Can't seem to get things to work. Can't figure it out. He's there forever. Old timer comes up <laughs> on his car, pulls up next to him, jumps out, says, uh, hey, sonny. I don't know exactly what he said, but it was something like that. Says, hey, let me help you fix that thing. Kid says, no, man, I'm good. I, you know what, old timer? I got it. Okay. All right, dude. He probably didn't say dude. Uh, all right, sir, dude. Uh, let me, I, I got this, all right? I mean, you're, you're kind of old. You seem to be, I don't know if you can move your hands that good. You seem a little, you know, real arthritic. So I just, if you could, just stay back. I got this handled. Old timer says, son, just let me see. So he pushes the kid out of the way, gets underneath the hood, tinkers around for a minute, starts it up. Kid's like, wow, way to go, old man. That was awesome. Man, how do, you, how do you know so much about cars? Guy says, well, son, I'm, my name is Henry Ford. I built that car. <laughs> so what we do sometimes. We're like, hey, I, uh, man, I'm, I'm uh, wanting to do my thing and live my life. And God, I kind of got this figured out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do. I got my girlfriend. I got my best friends. I got my life all kind of figured out. I'm just going to kind of cruise a little bit. And I, I, frankly, things have happened in my family and my life. And Brent's talking about this master's intent and how we're going to seek you and pursue you and go after you. And that should be the one thing that we do with our lives. And everything else will work. Uh, fine. But I just don't know if I can trust you. You can trust him. Because he created you. He knows who you're supposed to be. He knows how you're supposed to work. He knows from beginning to end how you're supposed to be. And he wants to make sure that you get there. You just got to let him do it. You got to let him take you there, take you through it. But the enemy's going to come at you. And the enemy's going to try over and over and over again to stop you. To make sure that you get stuck at some point in your life. So you can't get where God's trying to get you to. I heard a pastor recently, his name is Robert Morris, he's actually one of the massive friends of New Life Church and a great friend of Pastor Brady. Pastor Brady used to work for him. And uh, Robert Morris said this, I thought it was so interesting and so great for each one of us. He said this, that the enemy will come at you and try to use photographic thinking with you. The enemy will come and try to get you to, to get you to see one point, one part, one image of your life. 
and, and take a snapshot of something that you did on a Friday night or on a Saturday night at some party or something that you did where you rebelled against mom and dad or some lie that you were caught in or some, some issue, some sin, some secret thing that you, in fact, laid on this platform last night. And the enemy will try to take that snapshot and say, this is who you are. Photographic thinking. You've moved on. You left it here at the altar last night. And Jesus has forgiven you. You are clean. You get a fresh slate. You are bought the blood of Jesus Christ. But the enemy will take that, take that card, take that photograph and say, this is who you are. Don't you remember when you did this? Why? Why would God want you? Why would he have any sort of specific call for you? Why would he want you to go after his intent for your life? You don't deserve it. You can't do it. But that's not the kind of thinking that God uses. God uses what he called prophetic thinking, where he knows what you're going to be in the future. He knows because he designed you, he made you. Psalm 139 that says, before you were born, God, God knew you. And all the days ordained for you were written down in his book before one of them came to be. That's his story, you written into it. And he knows what he's called you to become prophetic thinking, and all he wants to do is move you and get you there. How are you going to get there? Oh God, I'm supposed to be this, I'm supposed to be that. Oh God, make me this, make me that, build my kingdom. No. God, let me build your kingdom. Let me build your kingdom. Let me give you everything I have. Let me gaze at you. Let me love you. Let me be yours. Let me see you. Let me give and surrender and lay my life down before you. My story, my dreams, my ideas, my all. Let me cast it down at your feet. Not later when I get to heaven, but now, here, while I'm in high school. Let me lay it all down before you. Let me love your people and then take me wherever you will. I don't care. Just let me look at you. That's why his intent is this. It's why it's the greatest command. It's why it's the number one thing that he wants us to do. Because he knows that if you'll surrender in that way, he can take you wherever he wants to because you don't care anymore. It's not my story. It's yours. Everything belongs to you. I belong to you. You pluck me out of here. You plant me over here. I don't care. You pull me out of this school and you put me over here. I don't care. You say, hey, stop hanging out with those friends. They are bringing you down. And this group of people over here in your school, they need you. But God, they're the ones that sit at the tables and they smell. Get up and go over. I love you. I give you my all. I surrender. I'll see you, fellas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus loves you. <laughs> well, there's practical sides to all of this, too. You know, give people bread, clothes, water, feed them, visit them in jail, give them deodorant. Um, Love him, gaze on him, give him your all. Find and follow his intent, 
And of course, the second half we all know is love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, if you think that through, it's the second part of this deal. Second part of the master's intent is that you love people with everything, just like you love you. I mean, most of you don't spend your time insulting yourselves much, sometimes, particularly when it comes to relationships and girls and guys. <laughs> Stupid. Why? She was just so hot. So you do insult yourself from time to time, but you don't intentionally hurt your feelings. Stupid. Ow. That wasn't nice. I'm sorry. I mean, you end up in a nice padded room hugging yourself when you, you go down that route. You're crazy. You know, you, you watch out for yourself. You, you kind of do the best for yourself. You, you take care of yourself. You, in fact, we err too often on the side of uh, providing too much care for ourselves. And in fact, pushing others away, family members and friends and others, to take care of our needs and ourselves and what we need or want. That's usually where most of us err. And that's not a teenage slam of selfishness. That's the world that we live in. That's not the world that we're called to live in. We're called to live set apart, different, consecrated, holy, where we look to him and give him all in love and surrender all. And then we look to the interests of other people before we would even look at ourselves. Imagine the implications if every one of us left here living this way. You might be saying, Brent, this is a... If you guys from the band could just come out really quick, I'd appreciate that. We're going to close in prayer here in a moment. You're saying, Brent, that's a pretty simple sermon, bro. I mean, love God, love people. Okay, got it. Check, check. Do you? Do you? Is your structure a little bit inverted? God, make me. Instead of, God, just take me. Where do you live? How does it work in your heart and life, day to day to day? Because I'm telling you, if you wake up every morning with the master's intent on your heart, and you do everything that you can to give him your heart, God, there ain't no girl that's going to take my heart today. God, there is no circumstance that's going to get into my mind today that's going to overwhelm me and my thoughts of how great and powerful and wonderful you are in your story. God, there's nothing that's going to overtake my soul today because it's been cleaned and, and redeemed by you. And so, God, I give it all to you. God, there's nothing today that I'm going to give my strength to except for you and everything that you're about. God, today, I'm not going to do anything but look for opportunity to take care of the people around me. I didn't get into Matthew 25, but if you're taking notes, I would love for you to write down Matthew 25 and just go read it later about sheep and the goats and just process through that and how it relates to this and taking care of people. As you leave here, as you leave here tonight or tomorrow, what are you gonna leave with? Are you gonna leave with a transformation? 
Are you going to leave on a high? Are you going to say, man, that was so awesome. That was so great. Thank God for what he did. Are you going to leave with that high and that gratitude for what God has done? But then to say, now my day-to-day begins. And I'm going to follow my master's intent. I don't remember what we talked about on Friday at night. I don't remember what happened at the beginning of the conference. I, I don't remember six months from now. I, I don't remember what took place and what the points were and what everything was. But I know that if you leave here with the MI firmly implanted in your heart, the one thing that you're supposed to accomplish, everything else works everything else comes back. Your life is not without meaning. Your life is not empty. Oh, it's such a great thing, and now I just feel kind of beat down. Okay, I'm beat down. Yep, you know what happens? Tanks explode. Fuel trucks don't get in the right place. But you know what happens to a soldier? He says, I know what I'm supposed to do. And so you say, God, here I come again. I can't remember how I'm supposed to be a desperate I can't remember the third thing in the vow. I can't remember those things off the top of my head right now. But I can remember that I'm supposed to love you with my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. And I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself. And I can do that today. And I guarantee you, you live that life, it all starts to come back. You seek first his kingdom. He'll take care of you. Yeah, it's simple, but it's right. And it's the thing that will sustain you and carry you through. And yeah, as I started with, eventually bring you to your purpose and his power to accomplish that purpose. You can leave here, and if you're not that intellectual like me, I'm not that smart a guy. I think I've proven that clearly today not supposed to laugh at that. I'm not an intellectual guy. I'm a fairly smart guy. I can remember one thing. I can do one thing, and I can do it well. I'm not always perfect at it, but I know what my master's intent is, and I'm after it. And because of it, he's brought me to such cool things. But you know what the greatest thing is? It's every time when I get to come back to it. I don't walk away from it. I just come back to it. Say, God, I give you everything. Every morning, every day, I come back to my master's intent. And I allow you to take all of me. So as we close this time in prayer, if you can, would you just take this posture with me? you just get out of your seat and get down on your knees, even right where you are. Real quiet, real reverent in this moment. And right now, would you just start to walk away from your story? Would you start to walk away from wondering, what will I become? Some of you have anxieties and fears about it. 
Stop it. You're missing the point, man. Your pyramid's inverted. It's wrong. You've got specifics first and then general and then the MI. You, you got to switch it around. MI is the one thing that he wants most. Come back to it today. And so now would you just in your heart start to reach to him? Just gaze on him. Just let your heart rise to him. And right now, would you begin with your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, as best you know how. And you'll learn more and more and better and better as you keep doing it day in and day out. But would you let your heart, mind, soul, and strength begin to rise to him and repent right now and just say, God, I don't want this story to be about me. I don't want to be the star anymore. It's too much pressure. It's too much anxiety. It's too much work. I just want your story and I want to fulfill my role in it. It can be great or it can be small. I don't care. I don't care what my role is. I don't care what you've assigned me. I don't care if I'm just an extra in your story. I just want to be in your story because it's the only one that matters. Now in your words, tell him that. Come on, tell him. Let it rise. Open your mouth, hear yourself say it. Like an incense, like an offering. Let it rise out of this building. Come on.